0: Welcome back to Until It's Fixed, where we take an inside look at pressing topics in the healthcare industry, new approaches to care, and how to make the health system work better for all of us. I'm Stacy Dove.
1: And I'm Callie Chamberlain. Since the very beginning of this season, with Episode 1, Addressing the Telehealth Revolution, we've been talking about the way the field of healthcare is changing to focus on meeting people where they are. This is not about the number of telehealth visits we do
0: or the number of different digital health tools that are deployed. This is about healthcare outcomes. And we know using these tools allows us to connect more frequently, easier, and getting the engagement that we need. We got to stay focused on what our real goal
1: is, which is health outcomes. One aspect of that that we've kind of touched on in relation to other topics but haven't really dug into is the extent to which people are expected to take the initiative in the medical system with all the pros and cons that go with it. Consumers are increasingly responsible for managing their health dollars and forced to navigate a highly complex healthcare system, resulting in millions of people not receiving necessary care.
0: That's right, Callie. And technology has transformed how people manage their lives, how they communicate, learn, travel, shop, leaving many frustrated with the analog model of healthcare, with its historically long waits, lack of personalization, and complex pricing.
1: Yeah, that's right. According to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Americans spent $3.8 trillion on healthcare in 2019, and this is expected to grow at an average rate of 5.4% per year. Rising costs have already caused nearly 44% of Americans to skip a doctor's visit when they were sick or injured and nearly half to skip a medication or treatment.
0: Yes, and a consumer-focused approach may be a way to change those alarming numbers, and it may also revolutionize the way that care is delivered. To learn more, I had a conversation with Dr. Kate Wolin, who's had years of experience with engaging consumers, like you and me, in their health care. So thank you, first of all, for joining us. I'm super excited because I'm fascinated with your background and want to better understand the behavioral epidemiologist in you?
2: So I'm Kate Wolin, and I lead our product team for the Optum Store and Optum Direct to Consumer. I went to grad school and trained at the intersection of epidemiology, biostats, and health psychology because I was really interested in using the data and analytics and rigorous research methods to understand The human behaviors that drive, in particular, my interest is in chronic disease prevention and management. So my background was a lot in community health settings, in clinics, and in how we help patients navigate between home and care settings in that care journey for disease prevention and management. And so I was a, I still am a super nerd, but I was an academic medical school researcher and professor and focused on health behaviors and lifestyle behavior change for chronic disease prevention and management and studying what worked and how do we deliver health outcomes, which of course aligns with all of our work. today in my current role. Um, And I love building things. I love building programs that work, but it's less satisfying when you see them lined up on a shelf instead of out in the world working. And so as I leaned into that more, I'm very fortunate to have a longtime friend and colleague who had left academia for a bit to start a business and came back And he called one day and he said, we just wrapped a clinical trial of a weight management program that's 100% digital. Would you come meet with the team and see what you think? And I was like, great, this sounds fascinating. And then it really started to get lags and someone had to lead it. And I was like, okay. So I quit my job and became a startup CEO. And so again, it was like that training, Just I kept getting to apply it over and over again. How do we understand behaviors? How do we measure what matters? And how do we use what we're measuring to improve our outcomes and keep people engaged? How do we personalize an experience, deliver a great experience, and deliver meaningful health outcomes? And like, those are the three things that anchor everything I do. What I really got excited about was like, okay, I figured out how to do it at this scale. How do you do it at the bigger scale, right? Because what you learn in creating these programs out in the real world is that you're constantly making trade-offs, right? Like that's life Mm -hmm. is we have to balance, you know, the cost of doing things. And so when the opportunity at Optum came along, it was like, oh my gosh, like there's no bigger scale. There's no greater opportunity to have impact on the health outcomes of the population of this country and potentially the world than to be here. And, you know, of course the Let's be honest. The skepticism is it's this enormous enterprise. Like, can we get things done, right? Can we Mm -hmm. do something different?
0: So let me ask you, in terms of healthcare, where are we at today? And is there another industry that you can compare it to where consumerization was not something that was a focus and slowly over time consumers demanded it to be so much like
2: they are in healthcare today? Is there an analogy you would have to that? I think the the one that I always go back to is banking, like, you know, not investment banking, but personal banking and just the changes that we've seen. Right. Like I I know people who never go into a bank branch now. um, Right. They 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 do everything online, maybe, go you know, go to an ATM. But I mean, it's just a remarkable Way that that industry has changed to orient on the friction points for the consumer, and the more that you try to take friction out of the experience for the consumer, that the way the industry operates changes, and who the players are changes. Right.
0: So, Kate, there's a lot of specialized personal healthcare products out there that people can buy. What are the benefits of products and services that support specific issues? or have a singular focus? And are there any drawbacks to those?
2: I I mean, I think the great thing about the singular focus is the ability to get best in class, right? Because there is no one size fits all solution. Different people have different needs, and our needs change over time depending on our context. So the ability to build a solution that has that Personal experience for someone is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. We are we are also trying to do other things, and those health experiences are multifactorial, right? So I'm trying to sleep better. I'm trying to eat better. I'm trying to help members of my family in their own care experience and their own care journey. And so I think the the downside of those best in class solutions is, you know, my goal of eating healthy may be part of my weight loss journey. It may also be part of my cholesterol and heart health journey, right? It may also be a part of something else. And so we are not just a condition. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I think our healthcare system is in many ways set up to do that, right? And we, mm-hmm. we know that from- A lot of the work that's come out of the National Academies and the Institute of Medicine around these transition and care challenges, right? So I complete chemotherapy and I've taken a cardiotoxic medication. Is it managed by my primary care physician? Is it managed by my oncologist? And things get kind of lost in those gaps. Mm -hmm. And when we think about orienting on the consumer, what the consumer wants to know is like, what am i supposed to eat right mm-hmm. and and they don't care if that comes from their cardiologist or their oncologist they just want to know what am i supposed to do next right so in that's where i love the the training that i have in health behavior change is that our goal is really to both give consumers choice but also allow them to feel competent and so when we think about a consumer health journey we want people to feel that they are the expert in their own health and that they have the expertise to make the right choices, but that they also have choices to make. Right. And
0: I think sometimes it's just today, I think it's very hard to navigate unless you have experience in healthcare, no one is trained to navigate the healthcare system. So Talk a little bit about the experience that you're having today with the Optum store and what that is and how that is serving consumers in a different way than
2: we have actually ever before. So the store team has started with a core set of foundational capabilities that we know are important to the consumer and anchored on some of those same guiding principles we were just talking about. So how do you deliver a personal experience? Um, We know healthcare has financial challenges as well. So we anchor on affordability and we anchor on curated, right? Healthcare can feel overwhelming. So we have over-the-counter things for your healthcare journey. That started with HSA, FSA approved items and has grown and will grow beyond that in the coming days um, to, you know, have great products, but we don't have to have every product under the sun. Mm -hmm. We have pharmacy, where our goal is really around affordability. So we have birth control, we have erectile dysfunction, we have hair loss, and we're leaning into some other conditions where we help people get access to those medications in a cost-effective way. And then we have care solutions. So we partner with our amazing team at Optum Virtual Care to offer virtual care visits. And then we have a mental health offering, which includes both therapy and medication access. So those are what I think of as our building blocks and the foundations of the store. So I'm just really excited by where we are today as these great foundations, but also all of the ways that you can think about leveraging those capabilities to deliver great care experiences going forward. So how would our listeners access the Optum store? And do they have to be a member or? No, that is one of the other really exciting things about the store. Thank you for asking is you don't have to be an Optum member. You don't have to have insurance and it's really easy. It's just store.optum.com or you can uh, use your favorite search engine and search for the Optum store and it'll get you there too. So it's easy to find. So what are some of the wins for
0: individuals that you see coming out of this sort of direct to consumer channel, if you will?
2: I think a lot of the wins are around accessibility and affordability. So the store I think provides a way to increase access at an affordable price point. We know that there are folks out there who are underinsured, but we also know that there are people out there who are busy, right? So you know, it's sort of, you know, the ability to have my medication delivered to my door, the ability to know that I'm going on a trip and I'm going to need a COVID test kit to re-enter the country and I can get those on the Optum store. I mean, the, the wins are big and small. I think, you know, mental health is another one. I mean, we hear over and over, over the past couple of years, how many people are struggling and they're struggling to find and afford mental health care. And so I think one of the things that is really compelling about what we are able to do is to offer affordable mental health therapy and medication in a way that is very accessible. So that is, I
0: was actually going to ask you about mental health and what that looks like on the Optum store. Our mental
2: health solution, you can come and get therapy. If therapy is what you're seeking, you can come and talk with a provider about medication or you can combine the two and do the full mental health solution. So um, we know that there are different people who have different needs and they're at different places in their mental health journey. And so we've really wanted to meet people where they are and give them choice in how they access what they need.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that through doing a lot of these podcasts and talking to quite a few people and just my own life experience, the emphasis on mental health has been very refreshing in the last like year and a half. It's like, oh, finally. And I think we're getting to a point where we're more open And just, you know, I would love your perspective, too, given your research background on the tie and the strong connection. So tell us a little bit about that connection for our consumers.
2: You know, the thing that's always fascinating to me about someone who's spent my entire career working in this area is that, It's not new in the research, but it is getting a lot more attention. And of course, you know, the great thing about the research field is that it's always adding more and unpacking it more. So we absolutely know that people who are struggling with depression and anxiety have more challenges in and they have worse health outcomes, right? So it makes total sense when you think about it. You're less focused on taking your medication, you're less focused on engaging in those health behaviors. And when are chronic disease solutions, when are medication adherence programs lean into the full need of the patient or consumer we get better outcomes so it's great that we're having that conversation it's great that we're having that conversation and removing the stigma across all ages right for kids for college students for you know adults and older adults and i think the full spectrum of mental health right so People who may not have clinical depression, but they're lonely. I mean, the past few years have been hard and we're navigating all kinds of challenges and uncertainty and that the opportunity for us to build those resilience skills for ourselves and to help others is really, I love that that's part of the dialogue because those are the skills that actually are a part of a lot of behavior change programs in chronic conditions, in, you know, helping people navigate is how do you help people manage stress? How do you help people manage, you know, learn time management skills? How do you navigate from a setback? You know, those are foundations of every behavior change program I've ever worked on in my entire career. And when you're experiencing depression or anxiety, It's just that much harder to do all of those things. So I love that we are talking about mental health solutions, but to your point, which is equally important, is we're talking about how those things work together to drive mental and physical health outcomes. I just love how much of what we do now is really oriented on where is the consumer or where is the patient, right? And what do they need and how do we meet them where they are? respect where they are and what their needs are and take them on that journey and go on that journey together. So talk
0: a little bit about health equity and how the teams that you're working on and working with are addressing just the variety of underserved populations.
2: Yeah, so you know, with affordability being a key tenant of that, you know, we're really trying to make sure that the things we offer are accessible to the broadest number of people. The price transparency is a big part of that, right? Helping people know what it's going to cost them, no gimmicks, no hidden fees, just straight transparency on the pricing from the get-go I think is really important for addressing that. And then making sure that we have, you know, when we think about who our providers are, that our providers are those who are sensitive to the diversity of consumers that we serve, because we serve all 331 million Americans at the Optum store. Uh, And then the other one that is a lot of our conversation these days uh, is the Optum commitment to maternal health equity. Mm. So we know that moms and babies are a lot of our customers at the store and how are we putting solutions together that meet their needs so we sell breast pumps we sell solutions for moms and babies and so how are we supporting that in helping moms make great choices or dads but you know we know that maternal health is a big uh, need in this country hmm That's great. I'm glad you mentioned that. We actually have had a podcast on that, and my
0: co-host, Callie Chamberlain, is actually a doula. And oh. um, yes, and so she works uh, a lot of her time is spent on maternal health.
2: So what do you think would be the next major leap forward? The next leap forward is really our ability to personalize and stay engaged with people. So rather than, you know, here's your three month program for X, it's all right, like, you know, Stacey, you're not ready to quit smoking today, even though I might think that's your biggest health risk, but you wanna work on feeling stressed and anxious because of COVID. We're gonna work on that. And it turns out that by helping you manage your stress and anxiety, you might be more ready to quit smoking. And so the more we stay connected with you and where you are, and the more we understand what you need and meet you there, the more ability we have to deliver better health outcomes.
0: That is exactly, I think that is the magic. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is how do we scale that? As an entire healthcare ecosystem.
2: Right, and part of scalability is not assuming that everyone needs that and how do we match people's needs and wants to our resources because our resources are limited. And so, you know, that's part of the personalization and curation is, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember when I was leading my weight management startup, we had a a gentleman who was incredibly successful and, and he reached out and said, you know, I don't kumbaya, so this was awesome. Right. And if he had been if he had been offered like a group talk program, he would have been like, peace out, not my jam. Right. Um, But we were we were a digital only, like, you know, largely text message based program. And that worked great for him. But there are people who really want to have that one on one connection. Right.
0: So let's talk a little bit about how consumers have adjusted and kind of really have more of a focus on taking charge of their healthcare and how, you know, how does it look different today and how did we get to where we are?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great that consumers are taking charge. You know, I think we've all had frustrating experiences with the healthcare system. And so I think what we're really seeing is that consumers want less friction, right? They want a better experience. And they're much more willing to be in the driver's seat for that experience than they have been in the past, which is fantastic, um, right? We're putting more data in the hands of consumers. We're putting more opportunities to do things in front of the consumer. And that's great. And the challenge that comes with it is, we can overwhelm consumers with choice. And so what both providers, right, as an enabler of the consumer and the consumer themselves are struggling with is, how do I choose among all of these choices? How do I know what is quality? That Trust is such an important part of healthcare that makes healthcare really different from other consumer experiences. It is similar to banking in that regard. But how do I know that the thing I'm buying is what they claim it is? How do I know that it's going to work? It is the thing that I love about consumer healthcare and what makes it particularly challenging versus being in, you know, consumer packaged goods as an alternative is, the person who uses the solution, the person who chooses the solution, and the person who pays, use, choose, dues is the phrase one of my mentors use. The person who uses it, the person who chooses it, and the person who pays the dues on it are often three different people that all have to align to get a great solution in front of a consumer. And that can be a good thing because it means there's a process for filtering out the junk, but it can also mean more friction gets introduced into the experience.
0: And so, talk a little bit about some of the smaller startups. Some of those companies who are building different products for healthcare and consumers compared to companies who are building from the inside and who know healthcare inside and out. The thing that
2: we do really well at Optum is that we partner with those entrepreneurs sometimes, but we have a rigorous process of vetting those solutions before we partner with them. So I think that's the really cool thing about who we are as optimus that we can build solutions ourselves, but we can also partner and bring those solutions to a much broader set of consumers than they could have reached on their own. And so the cool thing for me is, we don't have to be either or at Optum. We're a yes and, and we, you know, we have knowledge about healthcare and knowledge about consumers that can enable some of those entrepreneurial teams to go further and faster. And they may have an agility and a nimbleness that we don't always have. And so, right. you know, yeah. I think the important part for us as Optum is that we use our size as an asset, right? How do we mm-hmm. lean into our size and our scope to? do better and take friction out um, while leaning into the things that those companies do really well. Because we all bring something great to the table.
0: So we're just going to do a little lightning round, some quick answers to get a little bit more personal about your background. My first question is around what drives your passion for what you do?
2: Making a difference, having an impact. Who is someone
0: who's inspired you or had the biggest impact on who you are today?
2: Oh... Um, I'm sure everyone says their mom. And while that's true, I'm going to choose a different answer, which is uh, my co-founder at my first startup. I met when I was a grad student and he was in training as well and is just someone I, uh, I turn to all the time to help navigate things. And uh, I just, I'm very, very fortunate to still consider my former co-founder a friend and I'm very, very grateful.
0: Beyond what we've already discussed, did you have any
2: aha moments or any further clarity during the pandemic? Uh, I did. I um, I was very fortunate to spend some time with a mindfulness company during the pandemic, and I never realized what a game changer mindfulness could be for my mental and physical health. And that was a huge aha moment for me. All right, the last one. What is giving you hope right now? My kid. My kid and my kid's friends and just their passion for making a difference in the world. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kate, for all of your time.
0: Kelly, I thought that the conversation with Dr. Wolin was really interesting because of the focus on bringing everything together that has traditionally you know, really been done in silos and has created fragmented experiences for all of us related to our health. So when it comes to one health need, using mental health as one example, there are so many touch points. So you think about it, you've got the doctor, medication, self-help, getting advice on the internet, and you know, how are you gonna pay for it? Is it gonna be with insurance, employer benefits, out of pocket, etc.? So this is just a new perspective of companies having less of a competitive mindset and more of a hey let's partner. You know, we've got these brilliant startups inside and outside of healthcare and a lot of those folks have a lot of consumerism experience. And then you've got the large companies in healthcare that have the scale and to have those different entities partner to create a new and much improved ecosystem for our healthcare more focused on all of us is super exciting. I'll always go back to that, you know, focusing on meeting people where they are and fulfilling both their physical and mental health needs in a convenient and cost effective way. I think that's the ideal of what we're striving for.
1: I completely agree. I really appreciated the point about giving people choice and also ensuring that they have the tools to make informed choices. That feels like a delicate balance that is really important for people so that they can make, you know, the best decisions for themselves. Putting each of us in the driver's seat of our own health in terms of managing it and making choices, but also having more convenient access for support and caring for our health when we need it.
0: Indeed, it does. So please subscribe and tune in next time. Until then, thank
1: you so much for listening. I'm Stacey Dove. And I'm Callie Chamberlain. And this is Until It's Fixed, a healthcare innovation podcast from Optum.